Episode 3 of the Pilot to Pilot Podcast takes off now. Hello aviators and welcome to the Pilot to Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today we're talking with Chris Sharp. Chris is the founder of the popular aviation apparel company, Wing Boss. In this episode, we talk about how and why Chris became a pilot, how he paid for his training, how September 11th affected his aviation career, and we go into detail on how he got his current job as a regional pilot. I hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, please leave us a review on iTunes, whether it's five stars or one star. We just want to know what we can do to improve this podcast and create the best content possible. Without further ado, here's Chris Sharp. Hey aviators, Justin here. I wanted to remind you about the promotion Log10 Pro is putting on right now. Make sure you use the hashtag Log10Life on all of your photos you post on social media for the chance to be entered to win a 10-year subscription to Log10 Pro X. Promotion goes until the end of the year, and there's no limit to how many times you can post. So good luck. Hey Chris, thanks for coming on the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Oh, appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, inviting me to this podcast cast man appreciate it no problem i'm glad we get you on i know uh we both have some crazy schedules so it's nice that we can get it linked up <laughs> very true <laughs> yeah let's go ahead and get started why don't you just tell me what what got you in aviation why uh why start flying well uh i think it starts back way back uh when i was two years old uh my first plane ride uh, i had was when i was two okay and uh, yeah, I was with my mom and I looked out the, uh, the window and I was like, I looked back at my mom and was like, I want to be a pilot. Still remember it to this day. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> You're two years old when you got your first plane and that's when you knew you yeah. wanted to be a pilot. Yeah. My first jet, jet plane ride. That's and, awesome. uh, yeah, I've been drawing airplanes and thinking about it ever since. That's awesome. Now, were you a passenger or was it like a small jet? Like was your mom flying or was it just like a passenger jet? It was a passenger jet. I think, I don't know. I guess it was probably like a seven three. Okay, cool. Do you remember exactly where you're going and everything? I think I was going to go visit my grandmother. Oh, cool. So, yeah. That's it was awesome. It was pretty pretty cool. You win the medal for knowing when you wanted to fly at the youngest age. Yeah, actually, my uh, I had uh, I had a drawing my, I did way back in the 80s. Like I think it was 87 when I was like, I don't know, four, when I, when I actually started drawing the airplanes, actually understanding what it was, you know, so. it's <laughs> awesome. So when you're, you first got your first flight when you're two and that's when you knew you wanted to fly, when did you actually start training to be a pilot? Well, it was really interesting because uh, I, I told my mom I wanted to do it. And of course it takes money to do this, this job, even yeah. though you, you love it, <laughs> you gotta have money to do it. Just a little bit of money. Yeah. Right. Um, but luckily at the time it was before the prices were too expensive and I, I was able to, to pay out of pocket. I got a job working at a hospital Okay. and uh, I, I was in high school and uh, I got my license at 17. Nice. Uh, just, I, I, I worked uh, at the hospital to pay. I delivered trays and uh, that would pay for my pilot lessons out of pocket. I paid myself. That's uh, awesome. But yeah, that was back when the planes were like $38 an hour wet. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit that, different now. Happens. Yeah. Uh, it kind of changed a lot now, but uh, I think it was like a 152. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was something that, uh, you know, it was challenging, but also, you know, you get done with that. And uh, at 17, flying around your friends in high school was uh, a lot of fun. I didn't even know I wanted to be a pilot until I was in college till I was probably about 20 years old. Yeah. So I, I really yeah. appreciate the people that know when they're young and know what they want to do and go after it. And like you said, it takes money and you went to work and you achieved your dream. So that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Happens for us all differently at different times, you know. It does. So. That it does. So uh, where did you learn to fly? What, what state were you in? Uh, I was in Missouri, uh, a small little airport, uh, uncontrolled airport called Lee Summit, Missouri is where uh, I, I got my private. And I, I went on to, to work the line there. Nice. So, fueling airplanes. After that, I went to uh, Spartan College Aeronautics in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. 
I finished up all my stuff there, cool. uh, all the way up through CFI. And then when I was an instructor there, uh, I got my MEI. Did you instruct out of Tulsa then? Yeah, yeah, I did. Nice. Uh, I did freelance at first and then finally got on because, you know, it's kind of a coveted thing to get back on with the, the, the school that you, you went to school with. So right. I got on there and taught there for about three and a half years. I moved on to another flight school in uh, uh, Naples, Florida and taught there for a couple of years. Yeah, it sounds like Florida is a, a good place to go teach because I'm, I'm sure the, the winters in Missouri and the weather there didn't, wasn't very conducive for flying every single day. No, no. But the, the lucky thing when I was doing the private pilot thing, it was like before school or something like that. So I'd fly like maybe two times a week or something. Yeah. But yeah, when you're, when you're talking about the winter and the ice and the snow, oh. yeah, that's not fun. Not yeah. fun at all. I did my private pilot training at Ohio State University, and I mean, it took me three years. And like I've said in previous podcasts, I played football at Ohio State, so it was my only, it was my fault why I didn't get it because I had some I had other time commitments. But then I yeah. did the rest of my training in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was unbelievable. Like the just going that much farther down south, I got everything done in a year. I bet, man. It's it's funny how that is. Yeah, if you can get the good weather, then. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it does. It makes it a lot easier and less. It actually makes it cheaper on you because you don't have to repeat as many flights because I haven't been flying yeah. in so long. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. So as a, <laughs> when you're looking to be a pilot, look into good weather because that actually takes effect in uh, how fast your training can get finished. That's definitely a definitely a valid point. So did you have any struggles when you were um, when you're flying at all? Did you struggle mastering a subject or anything, or have any bad bad flight instructors? I, I wouldn't say that anything was bad. I mean, I think everything's power for the course because uh, you're going to fly with a lot of different people in the aviation industry. I think it's how you uh, you work through those processes. Right. Um, uh, I would say that you know the, the tough things that that happened to me uh, were September 11th. Uh, that that really that really uh, put a downturn on on a lot of things. Um, and then we had like when I went to flight school, we had contract students from China. Okay. So. They, they had precedence on a lot of the training that we had. So it kind of delayed my training a little bit. It took longer. Uh, I would say to a lot of those students out there, make sure you, you add a year or two yeah. <laughs> and, and don't be upset. It, and don't be upset if it happens where you, you don't get it done in the time frame uh, that they're projecting. Uh, a lot of the times uh, the time frames are, are, are perfect, perfect world type deal. And as you know, as a pilot, when you finally get into it, there's a lot of factors. <laughs> there's uh, no such the instructor, yeah. the weather. Yeah, you got you got you got a lot of things going on to make it work. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be discouraged when that stuff happens. Just take it for power up for the course, because once you finally get to that job you want, there's going to be stuff that comes up to you. So. It's the fact of aviation. Yeah, it's an it's important lesson to learn because nothing's perfect in aviation. Like the whole thing is right. hurry up and wait. You got, I mean, you got to get your time as fast as possible. But it's it's almost impossible to get it when what they say something's going to happen. A plane's going to go down. Life's going to happen. Weather's going to roll in. It's almost impossible, and it, you need to learn from that because if you want to do this as a career, you're going to have to get used to that. Yeah, you got to be flexible, real yeah, flexible. for sure, real flexible. In my Part 135 freight world, it's always hurry up and wait. Well, I'll fly to one airport and then get a call, and they'll tell me to fly four hours to another airport to go wait for three hours for freight. So, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, but I just finished a trip that finished at like 1.30 a.m. There you go. So, you know, it, it does happen. Yeah, I would, I would kill to finish at 1.30 a.m. We're usually starting our nights <laughs> at 1.30 a.m. <laughs> well, I, I think I, that day I started at uh, 10 o'clock okay. in the morning. So nice. Yeah, it's always fun. 10 or 11 o'clock, somewhere around there. Those so 12 to 14 hours or even 18-hour duty days are always fun. Well, yeah, yeah, it can be, it can be a little much. <laughs> yep, that's when the love for aviation really has to kick in. 
So you got your private pilot, Lee Summit, and you finished everything else up in Tulsa, correct? Yeah, I did part 61, and then I did the 141. Cool. So, yeah. Did you notice any differences that you liked between the two, or would you say they're all about the same? I, w- I would say, you know, I think part 61 is more, you know, it, I mean, you can get your stuff done. Don't get me wrong. Anyway, I think 61 is really good uh, for the guy that might want to go corporate, I would say, in some a- instances. Okay. Uh, it's still good training. I, I just feel like the 141 was more regimented. So it kind of falls into the line if, if you're doing one, 135 really hardcore or uh, uh, doing the 121 world. The 141 really set me up for the, uh, the airline industry. Uh, well, yeah, it definitely gets you ready for the regulations and how things happen a certain way. And there's really nothing you can do about that. I'm not, I'm not saying anything's – it's nothing to deal with safety. It's just the way it's set up. Um, so yeah. – uh, it's a little bit more relaxed on on uh, part 61 more your your timing uh, what works for you as far as the 141 it's like this is your schedule you got to be there you got to get it done um, right. so it's a little bit more compact and a little bit more intense but I mean aviation is that way I think it's good to have that structure whether you do part 61 if you can find a person that has a, a really good structure that keeps you on task because like you said if you, if, if you have weather or something if you're not making progress every day it, it kind of kind of slows down that process so and then you got to repeat lessons like we said before and then it just goes downhill from there <laughs> yeah when uh you flight instructor did you flight instruct at only a 141 school or did you flight instruct at 61 too yeah my first thing i did uh i was in tulsa and i got done it was very very hard to get on with spartan um so i did part 61 and uh i would help out with some nonprofit stuff too when people didn't have a lot of money to do ground school i'd I would go teach a class to kind of help people out. Oh, nice. Um, from there, I would, you know, I kind of took a little hiatus from flying because it was trying to get some money, trying to secure things because I couldn't fly at that, that that flight school because that's how you get your hours. Uh, I finally got on there and then I was able to start getting my hours uh, and accumulate the time that, that was needed to go to the next level. Now, uh, you mentioned September 11th earlier. Was that after you finished your training? Were you already a flight instructor or was that before you became a flight instructor? Yeah, that was bef- before I became a flight instructor. It actually happened. I, I went to flight school August, September, or me, August uh, 2001. And then that next month, oh, September wow. 11th happened. <laughs> and uh, that, I, at that time, I mean, people were getting hired. You know, you only had to have 250 hours to get to the airlines at that time. Yeah. So it was, I was like, my career was looking way up. And then all of a sudden that happened and they extend the, uh, the, the flight limit to 65. So, you know, a lot of things happened at that time. It kind of delayed me 10 years. <laughs> yeah. September, September 11th changed the avi- aviation industry majorly. I, it was, it was not a good day for aviation, especially general aviation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's recovering. Now. It's getting, it's getting back there. We just need to get more pilots in there. And, uh, I think, yep. I think things will, will, will start turning for it's already turning for the better but it'll, it'll accelerate more now for sure it will especially with how regionals are paying more and there's more there's more of a reason for you to become a pilot now than there was before yeah, definitely which is good and hopefully that will help people get into the aviation industry and that's one of the reasons why i started this podcast because i wanted people to know how awesome this job is and how everyone should try it if they want to yeah i think it's great that you did this man uh, i think this is something that's needed uh i mean just informative and and and, and giving people interesting information and aspects into the life of, of what is what being a pilot's all about. For sure. I mean, if they want, this is something they want to do, then there's nothing better to learn from the people who have done it before you and figure out what they've done right and what they've done wrong and figure Definitely. it out for yourself. I totally agree. Yeah. So how long were you a flight instructor for then? You said, was it about uh, 10 years you said? 10, 10 years uh, I instructed. Um, okay. 
I think I, I mean, I could have went to the airlines earlier, but I, I really liked what I, what, what I was doing. I was, I felt like I was giving a, a service, uh, trying to teach the best, giving 110% every day to, to the students and trying to, um, give them a purpose behind it and also make them, you know, wanting them to excel in what they did to make sure they really loved what they were doing. Uh, I, I mean, I was pretty, I was pretty frank with all the students. So, uh, and there's a lot of them out there. I see them today. I see a lot of students. Some of them are already captains. Some of them are at United, you know, nice. uh, I've seen some of my students there. I've, they're all over the place and you, you don't know how That's much awesome. of uh, an asp or an impact that you can make, uh, on an individual. I mean, the people that you come in contact with. So that's very true. It's got to be rewarding to see the guys that you've put in that hard work and the extra hours to see that they are now achieving their dreams. And that's mainly because of what you did to help them. I, I think I, it's a small aspect, but you know what, what, if you can get through to people and, and uh, they're able to get through the process, I think once, you know, they might've thought you might've been hard on them, but they, I, you know, I still talk to my students today. So uh, and you know, I, I have much respect for all of them and I, I feel like they have that the same thing with me. So, you know, it's a transition, but also it's a transfer of knowledge because I'm still learning. A lot of these guys, uh, they went on before me. Uh, so, uh, they're, they're captains and, and we know in the industry and, and, you know, it, it does make me proud and I, I wish I could be up there with them sometimes, but you know, you, it's a, pro, it's a process, you know, when you choose to go, you know, it's all about seniority at that point. So that's very true. And that's really encouraging to hear you say that you kind of, that you really enjoyed flight instructing because I know a lot of people become flight instructors just to build time. And sometimes that's not, I mean, it's good to become a flight instructor, but it's also, you want to make sure that you're there for the right reasons and that you like to teach and that you're willing to teach because you are responsible for someone learning how to fly. Right. And I know a lot of people I've talked to, I've said that a lot of times the flight instructors now are just in it to get their hours and aren't worried about their students. So it's encouraging to see that there's still flight instructors out there that care about yeah, the I profession. Yeah, I mean, with anything, it's about the process. And I think as you get older, you start really understanding that. When you're young, you just want to get done. But that, that quality of what you put out is what you get back. And I always would think to myself, would I want my family with this person on the airplane? So if I, if I wanted that, then I wanted to give the best instruction, give the best advice, try to be there, you know, meet their needs to, to show them that this is what you have to do to keep in this industry. That's how the safety factor and, and, and transfer of knowledge and the respect and the things that are probably, I feel like are needed uh, in this industry. Cause you know, a lot of pe people just see it as a job, but I think it's more than that. You know, you're connecting people, you know uh, it's safety and, and uh, you want to pass that knowledge on because uh, things are accelerating very quickly. There's a lot of guys moving up that don't have as much time. So if you have an opportunity to, to, to shed light on things and help help out, you know, hopefully people are receptive. And, uh, you know, you can you can make something a change or helpful, shed some light, uh, hopefully into somebody else's life. That's true. That's very true. It's awesome to hear. Did you have any crazy stories at all from when you were a flight instructor? <laughs> oh, oh. Any uh, students try to kill you? Uh, I wouldn't say they tried to kill me intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Never intentionally. Uh, the, there's one that sticks out a lot in my mind was, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, at the time there wasn't a lot of guys at Spartan that had as much time as I did. So I was doing a lot of instructing, teaching people how to be instructors. So we had to do spin training and, uh, <laughs> uh, it's always one of those things you're like trying to teach people, right. You know, and, and the push the airplane to the limit without going outside of it. Uh, I, right. I spun, I was spinning with this one guy, uh, we were at like 5,000 feet and the airplane 
he put the he induced the stall and then induced the spin. Um, we, we we went into it and usually we recover like three turns, like on a road or something like that. You know, we pick it out. Yeah. Well, he went to recover and the plane didn't want to recover. Oh wow. So I told him to recover again and he's like, I am and I felt him. He's like pushing on the rudder to opposite rudder, you know. Uh it wasn't working. The rudder was stuck. So I took over and I pretty much hammered that rudder as much as I could and we recovered. I think we 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 pulled out probably about fifteen hundred feet. Oh wow. It was it was coming up fast. So yeah. at that point I was like, oh we're done for the day and <laughs> we're going back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I let's think, go ahead and land. Uh, let's debrief. <laughs> yeah, so you know, important lesson. You know, uh, always be aware of, of your surroundings, and, and you know, always you know, you can't control everything, but you know, if, if you get in situations, make make good decisions if you can. And I mean, at that point, I, I actually really pushed on that rudder pretty hard, and it popped off. What well, later on, I found out that there's an AD for that now. Uh, but uh, oh, no that, way. Uh, yeah, the rudder. In the back of those 52s, 152s, uh, you have to check it every once in a while. I don't remember what oh, the wow. hours were. Because that, that plane later on, I think someone had the same thing happen. They put no spins on that airplane. Spin is definitely a maneuver that you don't want to have any issues with recovering because right. the ground comes up very fast. <laughs> yeah, you, do, you lose <laughs> a lot. But, you know, it's yeah. with those experiences, you know, it makes you mindful of what you're doing. I mean, you can do these mm-hmm. things, but make sure you do good pre-flights and uh, – you know, we, you know, you, you can find things and, and you can ask questions. It's better to do that on the ground than have something happen in the air. Very true. And it's very important to learn from your mistakes. And you want to make sure you live from your mistakes so you can learn and never do it again. Yeah, that's why I keep checking the rudder pedals whenever I fly one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. See, now you pass that information on yeah. to someone else and Check they won't, make that or won't do the same thing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> So you were a flight instructor for 10 years, like you said. And then how many hours of dual given did you have? Um, about 3,200. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot how many times. hours did you end up? Ha- yeah, how many hours did you end up having when you were actually applying for the regionals? Uh, it was kind of intermittent because I, I tried, but then I couldn't get on at that time because of situations. So it, when I started applying to the, the the regionals, I think it was after I was in uh, Naples, Florida. So I would say it was around twenty eight hundred hours or so. Okay. When I wanted to make the change. Yeah, for a while there, especially after September 11th, a lot of airlines weren't hiring anyone, so it was very hard for anyone to get a job in that time. That's when I was doing my training, was probably like 2009 to 2012 when no one was really hiring, and it was a little discouraging because some of the flight instructors were obviously in a bad mood and not too happy because they were still flight instructing for so long, but it's good to know that those guys are now actually flying their dream and doing what they wanted to do. Yeah, no, there's plenty of opportunity now coming up, so... What made you choose a regional, say, over like a 135 operation or corporate or NetJets or that kind of world? Well, you know, I, I tried the corporate thing. It didn't really work out. I mean, uh, sometimes it works out for people. It didn't work out for me. So then I was like, you know, let me let me try the airlines. I, I never thought I would do the airlines, to tell you the truth. I thought I was going to do corporate. Um, then I got to the airlines and I love it. Nice. <laughs> I mean, it's not what I thought it was. Um there's plenty of opportunity to pick up more hours or do more. So I didn't know that. I thought that's what you made and that was it. And when I finally got understood about the per diem and the different things, uh, the, the, the lot of soft pay, as they call it, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And with all the things that are happening now where the pay is getting better, uh, the contracts are getting, you know, more, more focused on trying to 
I think, accelerate the profession to make it better. You know, I think it, it was a good move for me because I like to travel around and, I mean, you, you're able to hop on a flight and go where you want to go. I mean, I mean, where else can you do that? The flight benefits for any airline is an amazing perk. Yeah, uh, and that's something I, you know, it, it feels freeing. So if you want to go visit your parents or visit a friend uh, when you're off work, it's it's right there ready for you. Yeah, my dad flew for, uh, so he started out flying for Piedmont Airlines, which then turned into US Air, which then turned into US Airways, and now American, and he followed that wow. whole path line. And so <laughs> I had flight benefits up until I was 24, and I didn't use it as much as I should have. I didn't really understand what I had until it was about over with. I ended up flying to Hawaii for free and a couple other places, so it was pretty nice. fun. Yeah, I've done the Hawaii thing. Yeah. Hawaii is a, a cool spot. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. I had to sleep about probably a day and a half in LAX airport trying to get out there, but it was definitely worth it yeah, once I was there. it's awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about the process of applying for regional? Like, how did that go? Was it, did you get a call right away? How, what was the interview like? And what was that process? Well, like, like anything, I think it's who, you know, um, my, my buddies were there. They've been there for like nine years during that period. And I just didn't choose to go. I could have went with them. Uh, and one of my buddies was like, man, come on, man. If you really want to do it, I was like, fine. I was like, yeah, man, I need, I need some help. He, uh, helped me through the process, sent my resume in, walked it in or got to the, the, the channel that needed to go to. And I, I heard right back because they were hurting for pilots at that point and with my time was so high that, you know, they, they liked that. So, so from there I was able to get that. And then within a week I had an interview, uh, that was back in 2014. It happened really quick. Um, they were hurting for pilots and, uh, I think that's, that, that's starting to happen for everybody. A lot of times now, I, I mean, they'll, they'll hire you right off the phone almost, you know, so. Yeah, so that, that went through the process, and then within a few weeks, I had to change my life around and <laughs> move and all that stuff, and then I was in class, man. I was in my initial class. What uh, Once you got the interview, what, did you have a phone interview or anything, or did they fly you out to Indy for their, their yeah, base? Yeah, it, it was a phone interview, contact, uh, checking everything, and then they were like, okay, we want to extend you the offer to come out, and I came out there. I don't even think they do sim, sims anymore for a lot, for some of the regionals. I think ours doesn't do a sim anymore. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, but we did. I did. I did a 200, CRJ 200 sim. And uh, Okay. What all was the sim ride? Uh, your basic IFR stuff. Holds, uh, shooting a pro, okay. uh, holding altitude, steep turns, stuff like that. Controllability. You know, you had the, the interview, the little panel interview, and you had a, te- you had a test yeah. that you had to do. And I think it was like 30 questions or 50 questions, something like that. AT- ATP stuff. Yeah. Did you already have your ATP before you went there? No, I, I actually, I waited so long. I still had the old ATP. Okay. So I could just go in, take the test anytime. Oh, I wanted. that's nice. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I already had it done. I was holding on it. I had it done like two years in advance from that. So 2012 or 13 or something like that. I think it was, well, two years from that. Yeah. 2012. Uh, and then it was right when the changeover where you have to do the new rules for the ATP where you have to take the course yep. or whatever. So I finished my ATP the month of the expiration of my ATP written. Oh, no way. I was I was on the wrong side of that rule. I had like 1,460 hours at the end of oh, July. No. And I ha- I've already taken my written. I passed my written. I got like a 95% on it. I just needed the hours, and I didn't get there in time. So I'm behind the ball on that one. But yeah, it will work out yeah. eventually. <laughs> Yeah. Well, a lot of the a lot of the, the airlines right now are doing where they'll get you through that course. Right, so, which is nice. Yeah. I, I maybe even some of the uh, 135s, I'm not sure, but I know the yeah. airlines are are doing that now. Nice. Yeah, which definitely helps because 
not everyone has the the money or the ability to go into a level C simulator for six to ten hours. Well, yeah, man. After you spend already a hundred grand, <laughs> I know, right? You're, you're trying to make it work, and it, it gets yeah. kind of tough towards the end there. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. So it's good to see that regional C that that's an issue, and they they have a way to get you past that. So you said that you uh, the airline life isn't exactly what you thought, and I know that wasn't a good thing. What exactly? What's kind of the good things that you didn't expect? You know, it comes down to a lot of things like pay, because <laughs> yeah. you gotta gotta pay back those loans or for sure. you know quality of life. Um, so yeah, um, sometimes, well, I guess when I first thought about it, I, I, I was like, well, this is only, this is all I'm going to get. How am I going to be able to pay for, how am I going to be able to pay Food. for everything? Yeah. That, yeah, that was, that was really a big, a big question. You know, I had a girlfriend laugh at me when I told her how much yeah. I was making when I was doing what I was doing, but you know, we all love aviation. So we get into it. But after I got there and I, I figured out how things worked, it wasn't really as bad as I thought. But the other side of that is you have to work if you want to, you know, pick up some of that open time or something like that. A couple, a couple trips or something like that. That that changes the quality of life. You can't you can't get lazy. <laughs> like as right. a flight instructor, you're always trying to get those hours, so you'll go seven days a week. Uh, if, sure. if you keep if you kind of keep that mentality, but don't ruin your life with it. Yeah. You know, balance it. Do it in the good times. Uh, um, you know, and then take your rest when you need it. Right. Uh, it, it's a good career path, I, I feel. That's good. Would you say most of the other pilots there kind of figured it out too, or do you think a lot of them just kind of did what they needed to do? And it, it's kind of it's kind of like a, you know, it depends on who you're talking to. Because some of the guys, I fly with a lot of guys that have been at the same regional for like ten to fifteen years. Yeah. So it, I think it's different for everybody. I I don't want to speak for everyone because you know, like you said, life happens. You might have a family, you might get a kid, you know, you know, have babies. Uh, you know, sometimes they move you a lot of medical, everything's different for everybody else. But, you know, um, in my, uh, experience, a, a positive note for me, because I didn't think it was going to be what it was. That's uh, good. Yeah. There was more benefits for me in it than I thought there would have been. Good. That's good to hear because a lot of times you hear from other regional pilots, the horror stories, you don't necessarily, necessarily hear the good things. You just, people kind of harp on the low pay and they don't harp on the other things that you can do or how you can make more money. So it's good to know that someone enjoys the, the regional life and that someone else can too. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it, hopefully, you know, it's a stepping stone, you know, and you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll go on to bigger and better things. Right. Uh, for sure. I mean, that, that's the way I, you know, you, you have to be positive at it. And it, as long as you're positive, I think, I think, uh, things change. People feel that vibe. Yep. So people, people can get a good read on a pilot and they know what they're there for and what their intentions are. So you definitely have to have a good vibe and a good, a good mentality and a, have a good outlook on being a pilot. So when you were, uh, I know we were talking about before about how you were a flight instructor for 10, 10 years, and I know that had to be pretty hard. And you even mentioned that you kind of stepped away from aviation. What changed in your mind to get you back into flying? I think you get burned out, man, like anything. And that's what, like, that. this is me personally. Um, I can't speak for everybody else, but I think that kind of might happen to some of the guys that have been in the regional. So I can right. empathize with them on that, where, you know, the day in, day out thing is the same thing. After 10, 10 years of instructing that, uh, I changed it up. I, I did some FA instructing. I was an FA okay. instructor. That kind of helped, you know, break the monotony. But yeah. overall, you know, sometimes you just feel um, unappreciated for the experience and the time and the effort that you put in, and and that that can happen in a lot in, in a lot of aspects of life. And 
uh, for me to bounce back from that, I had to find something else to go to. And I guess that's later on, you probably asked me about it, but that's when I came up with wing boss. Um, I, I wanted, I, I, at that point when I was flight instructing, it got to the point where all the experience and knowledge that I had was devalued and I, and I stopped working for another company and I really had to focus on what makes me happy. You know, right. you get to the point in life where sometimes you have to say, you know, is this going to be a right direction for me or bad? And, you know, if you really evaluate what you really want to do in life and, and what kind of impact you want to have, um, sometimes you got to sit down and think about those things and, 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 and move on. For uh, sure. And, you know, and I, I chose to, to take the ladder and, and be not necessarily happy, but to work through all the issues that I thought that would be a problem. That's good, though. That's a mature thing to do. And that's to kind of take a step back and see, reevaluate everything and see, is this really something I want to do? Because like we talked about earlier, aviation, you can't predict anything that's going to happen. So you got to fully commit yourself to it. And if you're not fully committed, then you're not going to enjoy it. And you're going to make other people around you miserable. Right. Yeah, definitely. So cool. So you mentioned Wing Boss. Uh, so when, what year did you actually start Wing Boss? Uh, 2011. It was uh, 2011. Yeah. What was uh what was the main idea for Wing Boss? It, it, it's funny you mention this because I, I kind of it's taking me back a little bit now. Uh, <laughs> Getting nostalgic. I, uh, yeah, it really is. <laughs> uh, I was in Naples, Florida, and I was I was flying. It was hot, and I was like, you know, why isn't there like some kind of special clothing to or something that resembles all the the hard work and effort that I go through as a traveler or as a, a pilot? All these things I've done in my life. And I was like, man, all right. So I went out with some of my friends. We were hanging out there. I was like, what if we made a brand called Wingman? And that was the first initial thing was Wingman TF, Wingman Textile Formation. And we, we were joking about it, you know, Wingman. Everyone jokes about that stuff. You know, my Wingman. You know, we had a good time joking. So I was like, man, I want to do this. So I went out and bought the website. Oh, cool. <laughs> that, that night. Uh, and then I started to plot my empire, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it didn't really work out the way I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I found myself alone trying to, to create everything. And uh, yeah. I kind of backed off and then I kind of tried and then I backed off. And then I finally made some stuff that was all made here in America. And I was yeah. like, man, that would be great to do something like that. But it was so pricey. So I kind of trying to reevaluate, made a business plan. And then uh, I created it. And then I finally got some investors, some silent investors and I mean, it, the, the business almost took me to the break of nothing because I was already burnt out of flight instructing and right. I, I pretty much lost a lot of everything, uh, yeah. almost everything. And I came back and it gave me a new respect for life and, and for what I was doing and what I wanted to do as far as an impact on my life and life and the lives of others. That's awesome. That's good to hear. You know, you only get one life, so you should only make the one. most of it. I finally got some lawyers, and they told me I needed to change the name because I could have some trademark infringement. Got it trademarked uh, uh, for Wing Boss TF, which is the Wing Boss Textile Formation, which I like to play on the words WTF sometimes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, I, I wanted to create a brand that that was a travel symbol. There wasn't very many things that connect all of us, whether it's flying, boating, uh, just the daily traveler going to work in the car or whatever as a symbol of something that unites because travel connects us all. We're all connected by travel. Whether you want to say we're not or we're all different, we're not. We, we, we're all connected. So and I think we really found that out with Facebook, how many people are connected <laughs> that you didn't even know. Right. Like, how is sure. this person connected to this person or whatever? So I, I feel like uh, you know, travel connects us all. 
and that's our our main thing and see where the wings take you travel on awesome i like it i like it. i'm glad you stuck with it man because wing boss is definitely something that i've enjoyed i know other people have enjoyed as well i appreciate you saying that you never know how much of an impact that you have so that's very true so you mentioned kind of uh so it's 2011 when you started it correct right yeah and then now it's 2017 so when did you start realizing that you could actually make money off this you know i never really thought i would ever make money off of it i thought it was just more i at first i did and then i started to realize this wasn't not exactly what i thought you know when you you take on something it was sort of like the the pilot path you you go in like oh man i can be a pilot i can make this much when i'm done i can travel the world i can do all that and then life happens you know so uh, everything i had i you know i started losing friends and different things like that they thought i was crazy for starting a business you know your 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 whole entire thing where you know you stick you have to stick it out just like flying yeah, uh, so, true. you know, you, you don't know if you're ever going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think this might segue into the flying aspect of it, too. Um, so you just keep going and, you know, you grind and you get up, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again until something sticks. And uh, I like to listen to a lot of motivational things. And I think that's what's really pulled me through creating the, the brand and also in flight, flight, yeah, uh, the flight life, you know, being a pilot. You got to power on when you don't think you can and, and make hard decisions. Sometimes you got to put money into something that you <laughs> you would rather not, but you know you need to do it. And, you know, you got to take those sacrifices. So I just now am starting to see the benefits of all that hard struggle start to come uh, to fruition uh, of making a, a good brand. And, um, and that's that's what I want to leave to people as a legacy. That's awesome. Yeah, you got to even like you said, in flying the segues to both flying and starting a business where sometimes things don't look like that's going to pan out, but you just got to trust you in your plan. And you got to be able to look past what's happening right now and see where your goals are and where you want to be. And you have to fill out a plan and just go step by step and grind away. Yeah. And you know, when you do that, you start meeting great people, people that see the same thing that you do. And, uh, want to be associated to, to doing good things and making success together. And, you know, that's how I, I, I mean, I think I met you and, and met Patrick from Instaplane and, and uh, Jeff. I am Rochelle. There's a lot of people I've met on Instagram that, uh, you know, they're very supportive and, and they want to be a part of stuff that's changing, changing the world. So Right. And then it's contagious, too. So you get people that are like minded like you. And even in flying, when you start going to flight school, you get new friends that are in flying and you hang out with them and you get encouraged to continue doing your dream. Right. So maybe you're down one day, but then you reach out to say you reach out to Patrick with Instaplan and he can kind of encourage you to start going more. And it's kind of a community that builds and helps you get to where you want to go. Yeah, we're all connected, man. You know, which is cool. (laughs) Travel on. Yeah. (laughs) No matter what, travel on. Where can, uh, so what is, where do you mainly sell your products? Do you sell them online? Do you sell them in stores? Instagram? You can always get to our links on any of our social media. Um, We're starting to build a lot of the followings getting a little bit better. I think a lot better on Instagram, but you can link up through our, our Instagram or, you know, wingbosstf.com or we have wingboss.co. Okay. Uh, you can you can find us there. We're in the Charlotte International Airport. Uh, nice. Terminal C on the square. Uh, you can get our products there. Uh, also in Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport. Okay. And we just now sealed a deal for San Francisco International. So nice, awesome. Charlotte's my hometown. I'm glad. Next time I fly through the airport, I'm about to check it out. Yeah, it's the American Terminal, Terminal C. It's uh, right before the food court. Um. 
and it's in between the EA Sports and there's a Mexican restaurant, I think. Yeah, I know exactly that, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah right in there. So. Cool. That's awesome. Um, so how do you go about setting that up with an airport? Do you have to reach out to the airport or is it an individual shop that you go to to set it up with? I mean, you know, it's a hit or miss. I mean, uh, it takes a lot of tenacity and you got to be around for a while. I mean, they don't want yeah. something in there that, you know, it's just a, a hit and miss, a fly by day type deal. So I've, I've continually, you know, took three years to get a Fort Lauderdale executive. Uh, nice. You know, it, it takes it takes a lot of time and effort and you got to have a, a mindset of sticking with it. I mean, there's I don't know if there's a key to it except for, you know, tenacity and, and keeping going. So nice. What's the uh, overall plan for Wing Boss? Where do you see the future of it? Uh, future, I, I would love to see this in every airport where it's accessible and, and expanding products that are, you know, the travel style. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of R&D to, to make a, a product that, you know, that can be just travel in itself. So I, I'm, I'm looking at trying to build the, the brand where we're able to make the products and clothing, luggage, you know, a full ensemble of, of things for travel. Nice. What do you guys offer right now? Do you offer hats and sweatshirts and you shirts know, right now? It, the funny thing is the thing that I thought would be successful was not the thing that was successful. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, the hats are the things that people really like. Yeah. Uh, so w- those are our best sellers, uh, followed by like beanies, scarves. And then uh, I think this next thing that we're going to probably be doing is uh, polos and T-shirts really and tank tops, pushing those those items and making nice. and creating – specific things for different places that you know you can travel and collect as you uh move on through your travel stuff that's good i like that it's a good idea yeah so uh i know i love my hat and uh my the one we did the giveaway which i thank you again for helping us out with that i know no, the person i appreciate being won, a part of that yeah. yeah he loves the hat and he actually he flies for sky west he flies in a 200 and he was telling me he's gonna send me some pictures so there should be some pictures coming out soon for you oh, that's awesome man yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's cool uh, to it's cool to see the hats out. I love the logo, and I love seeing. I've seen a couple other people have a hat on before, and I talked to them and asked them, and they seem to like it. Oh, that's cool. You have wow, man. Yeah. I, I'm I've been waiting to see someone else wear it when I walk through the airport. I haven't yeah. seen it just yet, but uh, that's awesome. I think that, yeah, yeah, it'll be kind of cool to see. All right, Chris, I I have a rapid fire section here for you, and I'm gonna go ahead and ask you a couple questions if you're ready. Yeah, go ahead. All right, what's your favorite airplane? It really goes back to when I first started. My first uh, private airplane I ever flew was a, uh, a VTEL 35. That was the first one you ever flew? That was the first one I got. Uh, when I told these guys I wanted to fly, I was 12. I didn't have the money. My mom didn't. She took me to the airport. They took me up. And it was it was the most awesome experience for youth, adolescent age, where the world was yours, you know, type deal. So... He, he threw the yoke over. I'll never forget his name, Carl. Uh, it was there at least Summit Airport, uh, Midwest ex- Executive Aircraft. Uh, and that's where I took my training. But they threw the yoke over, let me fly that plane. And it was the most exhilarating experience of my life. That's awesome. So your first actual flight where you had the controls was on a V-tail Bonanza. Yeah, the doctor killer, that's- right? <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. They let a 12-year-old fly it. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, if, if, if people are too young and they think they can't go out and fly, there's also young eagles. I, I did that stuff. I even went back when I had my pilot's license and helped out with that stuff. So nice. It's definitely if, uh, another avenue. For the people that don't know much about young eagles, do you mind explaining that a little bit and what it is and what it entails? Oh, man. 
it's been a been a while, but basically they want to get people into flying. Uh, uh, the EAA Association has what's called Young Eagles Experimental Aircraft Association, and uh, they get together. They meet at a lot of these uh, airports around the United States, and, and you can get a part of that. Uh, you can even help out if you're a pilot and do these flights for these uh, uh, younger kids that can't fly, but they have a great interest in flying. And I think that really would propel. Uh, more more kids get into it. it's free of charge uh, it's donated by the pilots where they'll do the young eagles thing come out have breakfast and see all the airplanes get questions answered find out about training and they'll they'll fly around for about 30 minutes so uh it's it's pretty cool experience i and i did that when i couldn't fly that's awesome because i know i've heard from people before that they're really interested in flying they're young they just don't have the money they don't see how they can be, become a pilot so it'd be good for them to go check out so they can figure out that there is a way and there is a path for them yeah and they have scholarships like uh you know keep your grades up because you you never know when uh you might have an opportunity to fill out an application for a grant government grant or a scholarship uh where you can you can you can get money to to fly and that's something that i, I see wing boss in the future being able to do that's awesome. Yeah, I, w- I would love to provide scholarships, help anyone get in and cover any cost that you can, because I mean, like you said, it's expensive and there's no way to get past the, the money part of aviation. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, and, you know, nothing, nothing hurts with hard work, man. Like I doubled right. up. There's been times I've had two or three jobs just to keep going. So, right. All right, cool. Let's get back to the rapid fire. What's your favorite airport? It can be either a commercial airport or a general aviation airport. Uh, one was Kansas City because I never would have thought I would have been able to fly into there. Nice. That's where, you know, I grew up in that area and I used to, my mom used to take me to the airport. So, uh, I used to sit in a window ledge and watch the airplanes when I was like yeah. you know, growing up. So that was one that I actually got to fly into. I do that all the time now and, and that was good. And then Atlanta, one of the busiest ones. So it was, uh, you know, looking at that and seeing that I'm able to fly into these airports in New York, all that, but those two are my, my favorite. Do you prefer Piper or Cessna? <laughs> oh, dude, that's a tough one. I like, I like, there's different aspects I like the most about both of them. I would say for a trainer, Cessna, hands down, is a great trainer and uh, very stable, docile. So uh, I like that one, but I also like the low wing pipers. So uh, can I, can I leave that undeterred? I like them both the same. Hey, by all means, yeah. If I can say that. (laughs) You like them both. Yeah. I I would even say I like them both too, because I, I mean, flying a 172, it's a great training plane. But my favorite plane during training was a Piper Arrow. I love the low wing. I love the retractable gear. It just felt like yeah. it was the first plane that I felt like was like an actual, like cool plane to fly. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I feel the same. And then, uh, do you like short trips or long trips better? I guess it depends on the company, and it depends on you know who you're flying with, your crew, and then also uh, where your destination is. So long trips can be a lot of fun. Uh, and the max we can do is up to six days. But you know, then again, some of those little sh- Short trips are actually fun too. So it's a toss up. It depends, you know, kind of depends on who you're with and, and crew and if they want to, you know, hang out or, or are you sitting in your hotel room? <laughs> Very true. What's your favorite aviation Instagram Instagram account to follow? Man, you, uh, I don't know if I could say just one. <laughs> no worries. There, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that have helped me out. Uh, and, you know, if I could run down some, that would be great. But uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, you know, Instaplane. I got Jack Richards. Uh, fly all, fly all the things. Mark Clay. I'm Rachel, or Rochelle. I think she might say Three Doors Down. They've always <laughs> helped out. Three Doors Down oh, is nice. uh, they wear our stuff, our gear. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is really cool. 
yeah man it was it was you know they bought it in charlotte it was pretty cool no uh, way. seeing brad wear yeah. yeah yeah that's awesome p and j travel that rolling creamery these guys have always followed us since the beginning neff effect uh james hewitt he he actually did our first couple of videos which is awesome dave the mac c brady jeff the helo jeffrey the pilot and adrian gain from blow deck uh nice all these people have been astronomical and and, and helping me and uh when I couldn't help myself. So it, it's, That's it's been awesome. awesome. It's good to see that the aviation community is looking out for each other. You know, good to see that we yeah. support everyone else's ideas and we're looking to help out anyone in any way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And that, that's what drives this thing where I thought, you know, we're all connected. Yo, so. Do you have a favorite hotel brand? You know, Hilton's really nice, man. I gotta, yeah. I gotta admit, uh, they, they do a good job. I really do like Hilton, the point system and they just take care of you. I think. It's all about the points, right? Yeah. They actually give you points. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. <laughs> all right. If you weren't a pilot, what would you want to be? Uh, just an entrepreneur, man. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it takes a, a different type of person to want to go out there and be willing to fall on their face. So right. I, I, I really think business-wise is just creating businesses that people love or want to be associated to help work and change the world, man. Just building stuff. That's all I really like doing is building stuff. What is the one flying accessory you always have to have on your person? The one flying? A watch, I would say. A watch? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Good deal. Cool. That's uh, that's all the rapid fire I have for you. If someone came up to you and said, I want to be a pilot, what would you say and what advice would you give them? Yeah, uh, I, you know, I get that sometimes from time to time. And, you know, it just kind of depends on the person because everybody's situation is different. So I kind of ask them a couple questions like, you know, what got you into it? You know, how old are you? Those types of things. So I can kind of generalize, you know, what level, how, how close they could jump into the thing. And then I right. ask me like, you know, some of them pop off and say they want to go to the military or, you know, have the military pay for it. You know, that is an avenue or, or civilian. For me, I did it civilian way. I could have done it airline. So I kind of try to see what they say. And I don't ever tell them the right or wrong way because everyone is different. I try to give advice. So if they ask me, you know, what do you think about this or what do you think I should do? I'm like, well, these are your options, but you know, there's, there, there's many ways to do this. You can work or you can get the loans or you can go to the military, but all of them will take time. And it depends on how much time you want to put into something to get where you're going to go. There's a different path. I like how you ask questions because everyone has a different reason why they're getting into aviation. Someone might just get into it just so they can get their private pilot license and fly the friends around. Other people want to fly the stealth, the latest stealth fighter in the military. So you right. need to figure out what they want to do and how they want to get there and just give them the tools to figure it out for themselves because everyone has a different story and different path. Correct. That's one thing I've definitely gotten out of this podcast so far is that everyone's path has been a little bit different. Yeah. And, you know, I made the mistake when I was younger trying to tell people what to do. And as I got older, I started to realize, you know, people have their own thing. You know, they, yep. they have their own ideas and, and thoughts of where they think they should be in aviation. Um, you know, not everybody wants to do the same exact thing as you want to. So Right. And there's no right or wrong way to do it either. Like everyone's yeah. everyone's way is the right way. Just continue doing what you want to do and don't be afraid to make a mistake or make the wrong decision. Just go after no. your dream a hundred percent and see what happens. Yeah, that's that's all you can do. And you know, and let things could happen quicker or slower, you know, you don't know, but just keep keep positive in what you're doing. How did you come up with the logo? Is that something you drew or yeah, did you work with I, other people? I I was sitting there and I 
okay, I love Batman. Okay. And I love Superman. So this has a little mix to both of that. Okay. Uh, I like it. I took I took W and I was like, just it took me about a week and a half and I was like, what can I do with this W? And then I finally figured out I want to put wings on it because it symbolizes wings with wing boss, wing man at the time. It was wing man. And I thought it was pretty cool and I didn't know what I really had, but I was like, I like it. And then I kept going and people was like, I really like it. Uh, so it's got the inverted W and, and uh, it has the wings and, and it's, I think it's pretty stylistic and symbolic of, of flying and also freedom of travel. So nice. It's, it's a symbol a cool of travel. Logo. You appreciate did a good job. It, it's pretty awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, if there's anything that we can do for you in the future, let us know. We'd love to work with you guys in any way. We really like what you're doing with Wing Boss. And uh, just keep after it, man. And we're happy for you. And keep doing your thing. Appreciate it, Justin. I, I want to say to you guys, yeah, keep doing the pot-to-pot stuff. Uh, love seeing your stuff. Um, and if anything we can do to be associated, do some giveaways, whatever, we're, we're here for you guys. Thank you, aviators, for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you're interested in being on our show, email us at pilot2pilothq at gmail.com or reach out to us via Instagram, pilot to pilot As I said earlier, please leave us a review on iTunes. We would appreciate any feedback possible. And don't forget to use the hashtag log10life on all of your photos on social media for the chance to win a 10-year subscription. Hope you have a great week and happy flying.